Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Julian Moggins, and you're listening to What It Was Like, the show that asks people who have lived through big, dramatic events what it was like. On the 22nd of September, 2008, a man named Terry Neese was called out of the audience to compete on The Price is Right. And you can actually watch this on YouTube, and, and believe me, I have lots of times. And Terry's this kind of cheerful-looking guy in his late 50s. He'd actually spent a lot of his career as a TV weatherman, and he, and he looks it. He's got this silvery hair that's, that's parted to one side, and he's wearing a yellow T-shirt that it looks a bit homemade, and it reads, Las Vegas loves the prices right. But what's really notable about Terry is that he won. And not just won, Terry nailed it. He named the exact price of the big finale prize right at the very end, and Terry got the price down to the dollar, which no one had done since the early 1970s. And you can watch this all play out right from the very beginning, and it goes like this. Terry gets shown a karaoke machine, a pool table, and a 17-foot camper. And when he's asked what his bid is, there's this moment where he sort of stares at the audience. He sort of just, just takes a moment, and then he barks his number into the microphone like he's memorized it. He goes, 23,743. And that number was 100% correct. And Drew Carey, the show's host, just kind of looks at him and, and just like, just almost without any surprise, he goes, you got it right on the nose. And this is another thing that's kind of weird about all this is that Drew Carey says it like, like he's almost bored, like it's no big deal. And meanwhile, Terry is losing his shit along with the audience. And then the credits roll as, as Terry is grinning this huge grin. And, and throughout all of it, Drew Carey just looks kind of amused and, and maybe even suspicious. And it turns out that what was happening in that moment is that Drew thought that Terry had cheated. In fact, most of the show's production team was certain that someone had screwed them over. Apparently, 
There was just like alarms going backstage and the whole thing was a mess. And in fact, Drew Carey did an interview with Esquire magazine a few, a few years later and he talked about what was going through his head at the moment that Terry got the price on the nose. He said this, Everyone thought someone had cheated. I remember asking, are we ever going to air this? And nobody could see how we could. So I thought the show was never going to air. I thought somebody had cheated us, and I thought the whole show was over. I thought they were going to shut us down, and I thought I was going to be out of a job. Well, that's not what happened. Terry was later cleared of any wrongdoing, and the episode aired, and, and Terry got his prizes. And today we're talking to Terry about how he did it. How did this guy, this weatherman from Las Vegas, set a new record on The Price is Right? So, Terry, did you cheat? I don't know how you could cheat. Uh, no, I didn't cheat. I don't know how you could. All right, then. So, first of all, like, how did you come across the show? Like, were you always a fan or did you just see it on, on you know, on the TV one night, and you were like, you know what, we should watch this all the time. Like, sort of guide me through it a bit. Well, what happened was, when I was a kid, The Price is Right was on with a different host called Bill Cullen, and it was something you'd watch when you'd stay home from school when you were sick. In the 70s, they rebooted it, and I'd just gotten married right before the new Price is Right had came on, and my wife used to watch it, and we'd watch it every now and then. And Never really paid that much attention to it. Wasn't a really big fan until we decided to go after our dog had died. We were looking to get out of the house and go somewhere fun and exciting. And I said to my wife, pick anywhere you want to go to get out of this house for a few weeks, or a few days at least. And she said, Erica just came over from The Price is Right, a friend that she had worked with. She said, just come back. I'd love to go get on The Price is Right. And having worked in television, I said, you know what? If we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's watch the show and get as much knowledge as we can before we go. And we'll schedule to go. This was in May. I said, let's go in September after school starts. There'll be less kids out. It'll be easier to get around L.A. And that's how we ended up out at The Price is Right. Okay, so I'm just doing the quick maths here. So you gave yourselves, what, six months? Six months. Six months to really watch it just all the time, every night, really get a sense of how it was working. We recorded it every day and watched it every night. And sometimes we'd watch the show two and three times if we saw something on there that really caught our attention we weren't sure of. Okay. Did you enjoy watching it that much? It was a little bit of a chore toward the end before we went because I'd seen a lot of what went on. So it was a lot of fun, but it was still – it became a little bit of a chore right before we left. Yeah, yeah. I mean it doesn't have like a, like a really diverse plot line. You know, there's no curveballs. It's just it sort of follows the same pattern every night. Right, exactly. Okay, all right. All right, so, so tell me about noticing patterns. You know, when did you first – like how long did it take you to realize that the, the prices were repeating? It didn't take very long. Within a couple of weeks, they had started repeating some of the prizes. Now, what they would do, they would throw like it might be a, a can of nuts and it might be an eight ounce can to throw you a curve. The next time they might use a 12 ounce can. So you just can't learn the eight ounce can of nuts. You got to learn the price of the 12 ounce can of nuts. And then when they tell you what they're you're bidding on, you've got to pay close attention to make sure it's an eight ounce can of nuts or is it a 12 ounce can of nuts. Is it a 15-foot boat or is it a 19-foot boat? Because that affects the pricing. Okay, okay, right. Why don't they just use totally different products? You know, like, why are they just repeating the like, the can sizes? Uh, you know, I, I suspect, and I can't say this for sure, but I suspect it has to do with the sponsors. If you buy a big sponsorship, they want as much airtime as they can get with their products. You know, Campbell's Soup 
you'd want to run it out there as much as you can because that's a, a small, low-end priced item, and they needed much advertising as they can on that. And I suspect that's why they rotate some of the products as often as they do. Okay. All right. So I've got to admit, if I was at home, if I was watching the prices right religiously like you were, mm-hmm. and I noticed that some of the prices, some of the products were repeating, I'd probably think to myself, surely I'm not the only one who's ever observed this. Like I'd kind of doubt that it was like a big significant discovery. It, it, I don't think it was either. And I'm surprised that a lot of people, when I would talk to them afterwards, I they would say, I didn't know prices repeat. And I'm sitting there thinking, how often do you watch, you know, because if you watch it for two weeks, you're going to see one or two things repeat. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so guide me through it. All right. So you're in the audience, uh, your name gets called, like just walk me through the process. Okay. When your name gets called, they hold your name up on a sign because you can't hear that studio is so loud. If you've ever been to a taping of a show like that, they come out and they jack up the audience and get you all excited before the show starts. Do a little comedy bit here and there. Get everybody excited and screaming really loud. After you're in that studio for about 10 minutes, all you hear is a hum in your head. And they have to hold up a sign to get you to come down when they yell your name because you can't possibly hear it. <laughs> Joe, I went down. First first. Four names called. I was the third, I believe, in the first four names called on the day of the show. From that point, the third, I I couldn't even tell you what was up for bids at the beginning item because I was so stunned to be called down there. I wasn't expecting it. I wanted my wife to get on. She was the one that I really hoped. I'd, I'd had my 15 minutes of fame on television. I wanted her on, but that didn't work that way. I was on, and the the item that came up for bid was the big green egg. It had been on just a few weeks before we went. And when it was on, we had noticed it. And I said, my wife said, I would really like to have that. It's a it's a great outdoor grill cooker. So, so let's, it just let's, happened to come let's just clarify what a big green egg is. It's a big, like, it's a big barbecue thing. It is a huge barbecue thing. And it's a ceramic. And it was eleven seventy five, And I got that price right on the nose. And I only got it because it was on a few weeks before. <laughs> you make you make winning the prices right sound so easy. Like you just watch it literally a couple of weeks before. You memorize this single number and pure luck just lines these two variables up and you 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 win the big green egg. <laughs> exactly. Well, that one I knew. I knew the 1175. Now they give you an extra $500 if you get the prize right on the nose, but a lot of people don't know this is kind of a cool trick. They take that money back off of you when they go to a commercial break. Right. Okay. And they, you don't get anything until the show airs. And if that show never airs, everybody that won something that day, nobody gets anything. Okay. Got it. So everybody loses. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. And when they, when they thought I had cheated, that held the show up. And I'm sure there were a lot of people sitting back going, oh, my, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll get to that bit in a moment. But, okay, so you win the egg. What happens after that? After that, and it was in the first half hour of the show, it's an hour-long show, and they have two sections, the first half and the second half. After I won the egg, they sat us off to the side, and I had to fill out paperwork while I was sitting there kind of listening to the rest of the show so I could still see and hear what was going on and see what other people were bidding on. And then I sat there until the final showcase over to that area. And then when they do the final showcase drawing, then Sharon, who won the second half, and I, who won the first half, she won a a uh, car in the second half of the show. I won the big green egg in the first half. The two highest winning contestants face off in the showcase showdown. 
Okay, okay, okay. And then, were you nervous going into this? You know, it's the showdown. It's the big. It's the big finale. How do you feel? Well, I'm I'm a little nervous. For one thing, my wife said, "Whatever we win, let's win trips because we like to travel." Well, the prize, the showcase that came up for me was a camper, a karaoke machine. Actually, that was. Let me think for a second because I'm going back 13 years. That was. Sharon's showcase, and she passed it to me. She has the right first right of refusal because she won a car. She won more than I did. So she has the first right of refusal on the showcase. Yeah. Okay. The karaoke machine had been on before, and I knew it was $1,000. So there's 1000 in my head. The camper had not been on before. I bid $19,000 in my head on the camper. So that's nineteen plus plus 1000 for the karaoke is twenty. Okay. The boat was 19 feet, and I figured 19000 there because it's $1,000 a running foot roughly on a boat. Actually, the boat was 17 feet. I misheard him, so that mistake actually worked in my favor because I thought he said 19 feet. So I'm at 19. The karaoke machine is 1000 That's 20 and I figured 3000 for the pool table. So you're 23000 Now, for the 743, and this is where you can't beat plain dumb luck. We were married the 7th of April, 7-4. Linda was born in March, 7-4-3. We used that as a lucky number for as long as we've been married. We're going on 50 years. <laughs> we'll be married 50 years next year. So that's been a lucky number. We played in state lotteries, those little luggage locks with three numbers on it. We used that. We used it as a pin code and added a zero. So at 7-43, I just tagged on as a whim after the 23,000, 23,743. Threw the lucky number in there. What did I have to lose? I thought I overbid. I really, truly did. Then Sharon gets presented her showcase. It's all trips. Remember I said we wanted good trips. We wanted to go places. So Sharon bids on her showcase. She bid 30,500. She missed it by 400 some dollars. And when they come out and announced that, I figured, I'm done. I'm toast. She's got me. No way. And then he said, you bid 23743 And he paused, and he said, you got it right on the nose. Hasn't happened since 7273. Get your pet spader neutered. We're out of here. And that was the end of the show. Wow. Wow. All right. So, so in this moment, and like if you watch YouTube videos of this moment, uh, you're just ecstatic. You're bouncing around. You're jumping up and down. You are, you're the happiest person that's ever been on that show. Um, but meanwhile, like backstage, producers are freaking out. Drew Carey, you know, was thought he thought he was uh, his job was on the line because you'd you know so successfully cheated the show. You know, did you mm-hmm. have any inkling of what was happening around you in that moment? No, because it was our first time ever at the Prices Right. We'd never been there before. But other people in the audience started to rumble because they stopped taping for forty-five minutes, and that show's shot in what they call near real time. Yeah. They like to shoot the show in just a little over an hour so they don't have to edit that much. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden there's a 45-minute gap and they have another show to tape. And now that's going to be late because they tape two shows in a day. Okay. All right. So how, so what was the dollar value of all the stuff you won? 56000 change. $56,000. Okay. All right. And did you did you keep it? Did you keep the egg? What did you use? What did you sell? We kept the big green egg because we had really wanted that. We sold the karaoke machine. We sold the pool table. And we sold the camper. 
we use that money because you have to pay taxes on this stuff. Not only California tax, but state income or federal income tax. So you're paying taxes two ways. Even though I don't live in California, I made that income in California, and that's considered income. So there was about $20,000 worth of tax on $56,000. Okay, so let's let's say you kept roughly uh, thirty six thousand uh, dollars. Did you go on a trip with that money? Oh, we went to Scotland, we went to South Africa, we went to Banff in Canada. It was amazing, it was so much fun. <laughs> I think I think the thing that astounds me here is just the element of luck. You know, like you practiced, you know, there was six months worth of watching um, The Price Is Right, which is mm-hmm. definitely classed as homework. But um, you know, there's a there's such an element of luck here. If if you had to take a guess at like what percentage of your win, like what what how much how much do you attribute to luck here? Well, I'm gonna kind of set it up like this: that it was a thousand to one shot when you get right down to it. So that's what it comes down to because I had the first two numbers, twenty three. And I looked at Linda and she kind of motioned, like I held up two fingers and three fingers, and she kind of went yes with her head. So I knew the 23 was right. The 743, that was the luck part. And that was a thousand to one shot. <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, and and so, sorry, I'm just going to try something a little uh, out of field or whatever the phrase is here. Um, so your wife here is here behind you, Linda. When Terry won, you know, like you've just you've just witnessed because you put in six months. You put in six months of work as well. How did you feel when Terry won? Oh, I was elated. Are she, you kidding? I was jumping for joy. Yeah, yeah. Were you surprised that we won? On the nose, yes. <laughs> but he's a pretty smart guy, so I figured the twenty three was right. We had watched the show so many times. I figured that's got to be close. I just wasn't sure when he gave out our pin number. <laughs> How happy I was. I think I went. (laughs) I got it. We use 743 with a zero on the end of it for a pin number. And when we were walking off the lot, the studio out there, she said to me, well, you do know you just gave out our pin number on national television. And I said, nobody's ever going to figure that out. The very day after the show aired, somebody I worked with said, what'd you do, use your PIN number? (laughs) I went, oh, no, now we have to go change everything. It took us two weeks to change all of our passwords and everything that had 743 in it. Yeah, but presumably it was worth the sacrifice. Um, (laughs) It was, it was. I want to know, like... Uh, in the like the days afterwards, or maybe the hours after, when there was a sort of like maybe a hint that there was a bit of suspicion on you guys, there was you know like your win had been so conspicuous, you drew a bit of heat. I want to know how 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 Linda how how you felt in that period. Confused <laughs> because how do you cheat on the prices? Right, <laughs> I mean it's right there, it's black and white. Yeah, I didn't understand. So, and then I was probably a little um, miffed that they were saying anything bad about him because I'm like, okay, uh uh-uh. You have to know him to know that this guy would never cheat on anything. (laughs) So I was a little mad then. Yeah. But I'm happy now because the trips were fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so tell me, like, you know, in the weeks after, you know, when did you first get the inkling that you'd drawn a bit of uh, of negativity? Right after TMZ, after the show aired, I was totally in the dark until the show aired in December. And then right afterwards, 
the day after, TMZ did a big piece that they just blitzed Drew Carey for the way he handled it. And he did not take kindly to that. And that's when his attitude seemed to have changed a little bit. It was over the Christmas holiday, and he was out doing damage control on his reputation, doing a lot of radio talk shows and appearing on television shows that he wasn't doing before that. Okay, right, right. And because Drew Carey's reaction when you watch the videos, he kind of he's like, "Oh, yeah, you, you've you know you've set a new record, well done." But he seems very underwhelmed. Yeah, he he was very underwhelmed is a way to put it. Uh, some people backstage said, and I did not know this until the article came out. There was a big article in Esquire magazine, a long read article, and when that article came out. Uh, the gentleman that wrote the article went and interviewed Drew Carey, and he was told before the interview, you're not allowed to mention anything about the perfect showcase bid in Terry Nice. Don't mention it during the interview. So he went and interviewed Drew Carey, and he was clever. He said to Drew Carey, he said, well, if you were going to go to the prices Right as a contestant, what would you do? And Drew Carey said, well, I would watch the show and study it before you came. And then he took that open as an opening and said, well, isn't that exactly what Terry Nice did before he came on the show? Mm. And Drew was not pleased. Yeah. He was not pleased with that at all. And then he uh, got very uh, explicit wording in the article. If you read the article from Esquire magazine, I don't want to use the verbiage that he used because it's just not very polite. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't uh, very happy at that point at all. We're going to take a quick ad break here and we'll be right back with more What It Was Like. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm curious about how, because my understanding is that the next sort of chapter in your life or in your career was was this move to Las Vegas, and is, you know you sort of became interested in card counting. Right. I uh, actually, after getting out of television, I worked in surveillance because I had a lot of knowledge of video <laughs> and audio, and I worked in surveillance. And in working in surveillance, they teach you how to count cards. So, so hold on. Surveillance like casino surveillance? It's casino surveillance. You sit in a room and you watch the tables and you watch the people go through the casino and you watch them play the machines and you learn how to count cards. All right. Okay. And it's, so this is the 90s by this point and you'd, you'd left. This is, this, yeah, this is, yeah, this is in the 90s, right. Right, 2000. Okay. Right all right. Here. So you'd left the TV weather game and you were sitting up right. in these, in these rooms full of like monitors with all these cameras trained on the, on the card tables. Right. Okay, all right. And what the, the roulette wheels and the slot machines, you watch the whole casino. Okay, is that is that kind of boring? It can be. Uh, on a night, mid, midweek, when there's not a lot of people in town, it can be boring. But on the weekends, there's never a dull moment. Okay. <laughs> not in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> like, you see it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I, you see a little bit of everything. But you do see the cheats, the card counters. And they're not cheating, by the way. I should be careful with that. They're not cheating. It is not illegal to count cards. Okay. So what would what would that look like? Oh, you can see... Really, when the cameras are above, you can see the whole card when they hold their hands out. You can see the face cards. You watch them deal. If a dealer comes in, what they call tucking the card on the bottom, if they come in high on the tuck, you can see the dealer's card. Right. So you got to watch the dealers, too, because they could be feeding somebody information by flashing their whole card. Right. Okay. I got it. I got it. But uh, but like from a visual perspective, like a sort of bird's eye view perspective, which is what you had, what does it look mm-hmm. like when someone's counting cards? Uh, they are watching aces. They're watching face cards, aces, and points. And what they do, anything above a 10, 11, a 12, or ten, I'm sorry, 10, jack, queen, king, and ace are high-end numbers. On the low end, they're small so spot numbers, and in the middle, seven, eight, and nine, you don't count those at all. Okay. All you have to do is all you have to do is watch the high cards and the low cards, and keep in your mind whether it's a single deck or a shoe or a two deck hand dealt game. There's a lot to think about when you're doing it, but once you get that mastered, it's really easy to count cards. Uh, okay. All right. But but if you're watching this, what are, what are the telltale signs that someone's counting cards? They have tendency to sit off by themselves if they can, so off to one side if the table's not busy. They like to play a table by themselves. They don't like to play against other people because that's more people you have to watch. You have to watch every card as it turns over, and when they flip the cards at the end of the hand, you've got to very quickly see what was down under on those other people's hands so you can add or subtract that card as needed. Okay. And what you want to do, you want to get – I don't know how to get into this without getting too complicated, but you want to get a plus three count on a single deck, and then what you do is jump the bet, and that's what you're watching for. Somebody that's playing a dollar or five dollars, five dollars, five dollars, five dollars, and then all of a sudden they jump their bet by eight or ten or twelve. They put in eight times five. They'll put in 40, 50, 60 bucks. That indicates that they've watched something happen on that card deck that all of a sudden they want to jump that bet. Okay. That the counts the counts in their favor. And when they jump the bet, you immediately know something's going on. 
Right. Okay. So when you're watching this, it's not it's not as though there's something that's like really um, explicitly visual that's happening. It's more just about their behavior. It's more about, it's their, about the, their body language the, and about the, the way that they're betting. Yeah. Professional card counters never drink while they're at a table because that's, that fogs their mind. If you see somebody sitting there drinking alcohol and they're, they're moving their bet, chances are they're amateur card counters. Huh. Okay. Because a real pro that's good car counter will not drink and fog up his mind when he's counting cards. He's there to win money. He's not there to play games. He's there to take the house's money. Okay. All right. So so let's say you're in the casino back office. You're watching this happen. There's someone who's just jumped their bet up uh, and mm-hmm. you suddenly know that they're counting cards. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, then you call the pit and say, you've got somebody that's possibly counting on there. We're checking them out right now. We'll call you back. We let them know immediately as soon as we suspect. So that they can watch too. And and what would happen? They, oh, they can be if they're positively, definitely counting. They'll be eighty six from the casino. Eighty six. You can't arrest them. Yeah, you, you can't arrest them. And by the way, eighty six in Vegas. I'm gonna. A lot of people are confused about that term. That dates to the old mob days. Eighty six means take them eighty miles out and put them six feet under. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you weren't re- personally responsible for people getting 86 <laughs> No. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. Okay. All right. They just throw them out of the casino. Yeah, right, right. Okay. So so you learned you learned how to count cards yourself through this process? Yes. I can count cards, and I've been thrown out of two casinos for counting cards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So, so tell me about your experience counting cards. You know, have you won large amounts of money? Is it enjoyable? Well, no, uh, uh, local card counters don't go in to hit them up for a thousand or two or three at a time. You go in and hit them for three or four hundred at a time, and you hit a lot of little places. <laughs> that way, they're not likely to – they're looking for the big card counters. They're looking for the big fish. The little fish can somehow swim underneath the radar for a while. Okay. For a while. Yeah. Eventually, they get a, they get a bead on you. They're watching me, too, when I'm sitting there playing. And if I'm in a different casino, they don't know who I am. They don't know me from Adam. Okay. All right. Um, like, do you still do this? You know, if I like, if I was you, if I could count cards, I'd just do it all the time. I'd go to different places. I'd count cards. I'd win money. I'd, you know, it'd be great. I'd love it. I would be lying to say I don't do it. I just don't do it often yeah. <laughs> because it's 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 kind of I hate to say this this way, but it's kind of embarrassing when they pull you off the table and say, uh, "Come here, we need to talk to you." Okay. Well. You're allowed to come here, but you're not allowed to play blackjack here anymore. Uh, and I knew why. They don't have to say anything more. They know I know. And I know they know. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just go. Yeah. I'm imagining it's one of those things where um, the other players are all giving you a look and you're sort of being manhandled down through the casino to some <laughs> back room. No, they didn't really manhandle you. They just come over and say, well, when you have a minute, step back here. Like when this hand's done, we want to talk to you for a second. They do it right out on the floor. They're not mean or anything. They just said, uh, you know, we've been watching you play, and you're allowed to come here, but you're not allowed to play blackjack here anymore. They don't even say I was counting. They just said, come on back, but don't play blackjack, because if you do, you're out permanently. Yeah, right, right. Okay. So, all right. So the correlation that I'm hearing between you winning The Price is Right and you counting cards is that you're good with numbers and you're good with patterns. Plus, you've also got a rebellious streak in you that, you know, you, you quite like finding a, a like a scam is the wrong word, but if, you know, if there's a loophole, you're, you're pretty interested in finding it. I, I like loopholes. 
<laughs> loopholes have always worked well for me. <laughs> okay. All right. So so tell me about other loopholes. I mean, like, do you sort of go through life just sort of little seeing little little things, little ways that you can kind of work the system a bit? Hmm. Uh, golly, in a casino. There's there's ways to work the system, but there's ways to get arrested when you do it. So you've got to be careful doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm guess I'm talking more sort of broadly broadly about the the world at large. Like you know, I remember there was a story uh, that I read once about a guy who had uh, who had seen that there there was like some company of like jelly, like airplane jelly or something was was running some promotion where where you know if you got enough of these barcodes you'd you'd uh, win a trip and this person just collected up a bunch of the barcodes from you know like supermarkets without actually buying the product um, just like little things like that you know little ways of like just cheating the system very softly in a way that's not illegal uh, like it sort of feels to me like that's you as well like this is a this is a hobby that you're interested in uh, that's right. I, I I look for different ways. Sometimes I come up with things that are good. Sometimes they don't work as well as I hoped, and I lose a little bit of money if I'm playing at a table. But uh, yeah, I'm always looking for an edge if you can find it. There's nothing wrong with finding an edge. Which you go into a casino and you see a dealer. I always walk around and scope a dealer before I sit down at his table. I look to see if he's dealing well. You know, a, a new dealer makes mistakes, and if you can get a new dealer, you can hustle him a little bit. Get him to come in high on a tuck. You can see the f- bottom card. If he does it and you take advantage of it, the dealer does it, you're not cheating. Yeah. He's just – he's not doing his job right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you good at maths? I was decent in math, yeah. I was very decent in math, yeah. I'm, I'm good at math in my head too. Yeah. I can – but I, what I do, I kind of round numbers off and do quick math that way and then try and do the subtraction if I'm – Doing quick math. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, see, I'm very bad at maths, which would really um, would take away, would detract from my ability to win at a lot of this stuff. I think I'd struggle to count cards. Um, The other thing I was wondering about your prices right win is that I understand your niece actually also cleaned up not long after you did, like like a couple of months later. You you know, a family member, your niece. When one. No, my last name's pronounced niece. Right. So niece's niece, which is my sister's daughter, her last name is Coltrion. It's a different last name. One month to the day after I was on The Price is Right, she went on The Price is Right. She got called down, one of the first four contestants like I was. She actually sat in the same seat that I sat in one month earlier. She was up on the third item up for bid. Drew Carey made a mistake in her game and had to give her all the prizes to make up for the mistake. Then she, at halftime, she was a high scorer, so she got to play in the final showcase. And while I won my showcase with an exact $2 bid, she won her showcase with a $1 bid. How? How is this possible? If the other person overbids on the showcase and you come in under you will win. You can't overbid. You've got to be the closest to the exact price without going over. The other person that she was playing against, she felt the other person went over, so she bid a dollar on her showcase, and the other person did go over, so she won her showcase. Got it, got it. Okay, sure. But that's that's not the question I'm asking. I guess, like, you know, it seems like a wild coincidence that your niece came in and won in pretty much the same way you did just a few months later. Like, what what was happening here? Well, my niece and I have always been close. 
And when she found out I went to the prices, right, she didn't know I had won. I wasn't allowed to say anything. You sign an agreement that once you're on that show, you don't say anything until it airs. So she had known I went to the prices, right? And she was touring around the country with her boyfriend, and they went to California. And she decided she wanted to go get tickets and get on the prices, right? And that's how she ended up there. But she didn't tell me she was on until afterwards. So I didn't know about her win until Thanksgiving of 2008, and she had been on and I had been on. Okay. All right. So you didn't you didn't tell her you weren't like, hey, hot tip, the prices repeat. Just watch for six months and you'll know. I never talked to her before she went on. I didn't know she was going on until she called me the night she had been out there and said, I was on the prices right and I want to tell you something, but I can't. And I said, I know why, because we signed those agreements. Jeez. That's uh that is crazy. So you're suggesting that they they like your win, which you know, you included like your pin number in your win, so it had a like a large degree of luck in it. And then her mm-hmm. win, which also sounds just completely stupidly lucky, like in the broader scheme of luck, and you guys happen to win like so close to each other as well. Yeah, exactly. And sitting in the same seat. I mean, there's 325 seats. What are the chances of my niece going one month to the day afterwards and getting the exact same seat that I sat in? And her boyfriend was in the seat my wife sat in. Jeez, jeez. I mean, like, uh, have, was there some suspicion after this happened? I mean, there was suspicion the first time. Like, what about the second time? There wasn't suspicion until they found out that she was related to me. Yeah. <laughs> then there was a little suspicion. But- they looked at everything and said, you know, this this is what happened. What can we do? Look, I want to talk sort of a bit more broadly about something that I'm going to describe as your life philosophy. Because it it feels to me like like if you get an idea in your head, you just run with it. You don't you don't strike me as a man who hesitates much. I, I would agree with that. I don't hesitate much. I, I'll get something going in my head and I'll I'll work it until I feel comfortable that it's gonna work. And then I go for it. And it doesn't take me long to make a decision whether it's a good, good move or a bad move. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, so tell me about that. I mean, like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get ideas. A lot of people, there's probably a lot of people in the US who, like you, had observed that uh, products repeat, prices repeat on the prices right, but hadn't acted on it. You know, they hadn't signed up. They hadn't gone to the show. Then they certainly hadn't put their hand up to try to get up on onto the stage. Uh, you know, like, why is it that you don't hesitate? Why is it that you don't doubt yourself or, or sort of just like, I don't know, lose interest in things? I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something. I love being involved with, you know, like skydiving. I had to skydive. I just had to do it. it I, I didn't want to miss out on that. I, it's part of my bucket list. And every time I get something off of my bucket list, it ends up something else creeps on it. And I'm afraid not to do something because I won't get it all in before I hit Permanent horizontal hold. <laughs> yeah, you know, I relate to that. Uh, I got to point out that uh, skydiving is probably uh, something that's likely to take you there faster than uh, not skydiving. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But what a rush on the way down. I got to tell you, when you jump out of a plane at 10,000 feet, it's a rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard people, uh, well, I had a friend once who told me it was better than sex. I don't know about that. Better than sex, nah, nah. But it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's scarier, it's scarier than sex. Um, okay. Uh, and what about like you know? Do you have ambitions to win other shows? You know, there's still Wheel of Fortune, or there's there's other game shows out there that could probably uh, use use your attention. 
I play around with Jeopardy, but I'm not quite Jeopardy good enough yet. Uh, that would I, I would like to maybe do Jeopardy. Wheel of Fortune is not a good game for me. I'm I, for some reason I I can sit there and look at that, and every now and then I have a real sharp day, and I'm really good at it. But most of the times I'm way off. Yeah. But Je- Jeopardy, I could see maybe I might want to try that sometime. Okay. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be the world's champion. I can tell you that. But it'd be fun just to do it. Okay, all right. So, so you you rehearsing for uh, Jeopardy in the same way as you you practiced for the prices, right? Not quite. I'm not serious enough to go for that yet, but I'm s- considering it. So I'm not. Once I if I decide I'm going to do it, then I'm going to do it like I did rehearsals right. I will. But I'm just not 100 percent convinced that I would be good enough. I I, I want to go if I can win at least one day, just be the champ for one day, I'm happy with that. But I'm not quite sure I'm that good yet. Do you think you could win again? Like, could you win in this day and age? I think they've changed things since then. They now have prize meetings, so they mix the prizes up more often. I found that out after after the fact. So do I think I could win again? If I studied it, started watching it again for another six months, I think I probably would do okay a second time. I don't know that I could take it all, but it, would, it might be fun to give it a shot. I don't think CBS would let me within a mile of their station, though, or studios, because I think they have a shoot-to-kill order on me for the last time. <laughs> did, did the game change after you played it? Like, did they, oh, yes. did they re-examine the rules and make some changes? They didn't change the rules. They changed the way they did prizes. My understanding, according to everything I've been able to garner and read, and I have read up a lot on this because my name was showing up everywhere, and I wanted to find out what was going on. But they did change the way the prizes are rotated, and they've added different things that they didn't add before. Like if you bid on a car, eh, to screw it up a little bit for you, they add floor mats and body side molding and different things. So it makes it really hard to guess. Trips are hard to guess regardless, but cars can be hard to guess the way they're doing it now too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So so basically they responded to you by making it almost impossible to basically repeat what you did. Correct. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they pretty much kind of build a wall that makes it hard to crawl over. Okay, all right. So you, uh, you know, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you feel like that's fair? It is fair. You know, it's it's their game. It's their, their TV show. It makes it a little harder for me, but I do think it's fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I can see I can see the merit to it. No, I I don't fault anybody for tightening their standards when they realize that something they can be beat too easily. I don't fault anybody for doing that. Yeah. The, the game the, they're trying to keep people in and keep them hooked. And if anybody could go in there and beat it regularly, it would lose its allure real fast. Let's, let's get let's get deep for a minute. Uh, okay, you know, are you, are you afraid of death? No, living scares the hell out of me. I've never heard a dead person complain about being dead. I had an uncle that was an undertaker, and that was his saying. He said, "Dead people never complain about being dead, so it can't be all that bad." <laughs> of course, he was making money saying that. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's, he's biased. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. But uh, all right, like talk talk more about that. What is what is it about life that scares you then? It's the, the fear that something like there's something out there that I want to do and I'm not going to get to squeeze it in, and that that's that's the part that scares me. Yeah, that's the part that scares me. 
you're good at living. It feels to me like you are good at just grabbing life by the balls, making the most of it. What would you? What advice would you give to someone who's sort of hesitating a bit? Don't let life pass you by. Don't let something get away from you that you truly, truly want to do. You know, there's only one person that's keeping you from doing it in most cases. It's you. So don't don't let that happen. Get out there and get her done. And if you die trying, damn it, it was a hell of a ride. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. But, but, but also, like, you know, there's a certain argument that uh, going on the price, of, price is right with this sort of, like, secret technique tucked up your sleeve a lot of people would worry that they're going to get arrested or people would worry that they're going to be made to look bad on national television or people would worry that their you know their friends and family will judge them what what would you say to that kind of concern let them let them judge you <laughs> what in the end my wife and i are the only ones that our lives matters to i mean it matters probably to brothers and sisters and stuff but not the same way it matters to us so get out there and get her done. Don't let anybody stand in your way. If, if they want to judge you, let them. Don't pay any attention to it. Uh, people were saying pretty nasty stuff about me after the price is right here. And at first, I got to tell you, at first I was, ooh, this doesn't feel so good. But then it's like, what the hell? Seven years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, they're not even going to remember my name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to remember I was even here. On the front of my tombstone, it'll say I was here. And that's all that people are going to know. I was here. That's it. So let them, if they don't like me now, I don't care. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to today's episode. And if you've been thinking, hey, I've got a story that's uh, that's kind of similar to that, something interesting, then hit me up, please. We're always looking for story suggestions. Uh, plus, I just like, you know, just like hearing from people. I'm Julian Morgans on Instagram and Morgans Julian on Twitter. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Tuffery. It was edited and mixed by Jimmy Saunders, who also did our theme music. Our cover art is by Naomi Lee Beveridge, and our intern was Maddie Runting. And this whole thing has been a super real production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.